Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. It's so boring, man. Okay. And there's Hagel and Richards Gabrick. Led away by John Tortorella. Again, using last change. McDonough and Girardi were out. Here's a drive. Score! It is Richards and it is 1 nothing. Tuesday, July 6th, 2021. Uh, it's the Laced Up Hockey Podcast coming to you uh, in the month of July, which is pretty pretty crazy for a few reasons. Uh, one, uh, we're still playing hockey in July. Mm. And uh, two, because it's July, uh, I, I am doing this by myself. I'm independent. Brutes has become a puddle. Um, and and that's just how it goes. The heat wave is, is killing us all. I'm, I'm all alone today. Uh, well, I, I mean, I am, I am here. I'm not really sure what you're, what you're referring to. Uh, but yeah, no, we're not, we're not in person because, uh, I'm not shitting you when I say that in between our two not conditioned air, uh, air conditioned households, uh, that that would be too much body heat in the same room. Uh, it is currently hotter in my house than it is outside. And it's like 26, I think outside right now, still, still as we record at eight o'clock. Uh, yeah, it's it's hotter in my house. My phone says thirty two, but it honestly it might still be. I don't know. I just yeah. came in from outside because uh, I was trying yeah. to cool down. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 bad in my house. Uh, it's not good. I ordered a portable air conditioner about a month ago because our old one crapped out and it still has not even shipped, let alone uh, is not here yet. So that that was a good way to spend money. Is this the worst it's ever been in your house since you've like lived there? Do you figure? Uh, no, no, I, I wouldn't say so. I think maybe I've gotten a little more accepting of how bad it actually is. Uh, and perhaps maybe have gotten better over the years at keeping it cool in there. I mean, one thing I will say is it's an old house that needs like the insulation redone and the windows redone. And so like as much during the winter as the cold kind of seeps in, uh, during the summer, the hot kind of kind of comes in. So uh, I've kind of gotten used to that. And, and it's funny, too, because I'll tell people how bad my house is and they think I'm a baby. No, you should go in there. It's it's all the heat gets in and doesn't come out. So uh, the worst? No, I wouldn't say so. Do you think this is the worst? It's really hard to compare because I'll preface by saying this. It's been, it's been really it's been brutal for a couple of days now, but. <laughs> Um, I think the game changer here is that we never used to have a portable AC unit and now we do. And like, it's not doing a lot, but it's doing enough where I think outside is probably the worst it's been since I've lived here, but inside has been, we've prepared a little better this time around, I think. Yeah. I think your house is too big for a portable AC too. Like that's the other problem. Cause like they, they make portable ACs that are supposed to be like 
up to a thousand square feet, but like your house is three stories of, I don't know if I had to guess it's, it's well over a thousand. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, put you into a class or anything here on the podcast. You know, I right. don't want to, I don't want I didn't buy the house for the record. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to no, put your family we've got into one, a class. Then? We, we've got one for each floor. I'll say that. Oh, okay. Still though. Yeah. You know, and it's a bigger, like it, well, I, I've already said it's big. Uh, it's an older house too. So like, I feel like the layout of the upstairs too, doesn't really uh, lend itself for the air to flow all that well. Like it's just very twisty and turny, you know, like, and I feel like mm. the air probably doesn't flow very well in there, which that's the one positive I will say to my house is my house is uh, 600 square feet. And um, it, it's, it's, if you knocked out a couple of walls, my house would be like basically just four different rooms. Cause like the three rooms all kind of flow into each other. Like there's just like half a wall between it. And you know what I mean? Like it's not a hallway even it's just very open. So you can put a portable AC in there and it, it kicks ass, but I don't have one right now. Yeah. Your, your house is definitely more equipped to uh, benefit from a, portable ac unit it would seem that's, great that's fantastic i hope you get it soon because it's gonna mm. get it's gonna be snowing like in two weeks so you know uh put put it this way is the only ones i can find online right now because i was going to cancel this one and order a new one and if, like obviously they're sold out everywhere like even i can't have any shipped even like there's just none online uh unless i want to spend a stupid amount of money Got to be honest with you. If I have to deal with this again in a couple of weeks, I'm going to spend a stupid amount of money on one because I don't give a fuck. So, I, I I gotta I gotta tell you, like I've I hate, but at the same time, kind of admire um, the people jumping on like Facebook buy and sell that are just tossing their like 15 year old units up for sale for like 600 bucks. It's like yeah, you mm-hmm. probably paid that brand new. But you know, it's supply and demand. You know, that's that's capitalism. So they know their audience. <laughs> well, that's the society we live in here, James. Yeah, no, I uh, I I got so dramatically hot uh, last night that now now keep in mind this is probably getting done to the house next year. So this isn't that dramatic when you think of it in this context. I thought last night, you know what? fuck it maybe i'll just pay for central or like literally get fucking central air this week because it's like that's the last option if i can't get a portable air conditioner i need to have air conditioning put into this fucking house and uh yeah like that's something that is in the plans for next year but i almost was just willing to drop like three or four grand on central air uh, today that's how hot it is it is hot uh last question about the heat and i i don't want to beat this to death by any means but um hmm. Be honest now, okay? Because you've you've got a real a real thing going on. How close did you come to considering just shaving off the beard, shaving off the head, just taking the clippers to everything? Would that would that have helped, or is it almost acting like insulation at this point? I okay, so I get asked this a lot right now because my hair is obviously long, as as is a lot of people's, right? Like I'm not the only one. Uh, but I'm, I'm one of the few people that really hasn't, you know, like I let the, I let the beard go here for the last, you know, six months or so, but the beard, I don't think, I think that people think a beard is a lot hotter than it is. Like people keep telling me like, I don't know how you're doing this in the beard and like the beard, I don't know. Like it, it, I don't, I don't find it hot. My hair is driving me nuts. 
the beard doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't bother me. But uh, how close did I come? Not very. I, okay. I put it this way. I've come closer to shaving the beard and the hair uh, in the last week for non-heat related reasons, just because I'm sick of looking at it now. But uh, yeah. Understandable. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the hair for me is definitely much longer than I like it. And uh, it's it's time. It's It's been a it's been a hot minute for sure. So. I'm I'm finally at the point, which is hilarious because now I can get my hair cut soon. Uh, I'm finally at the point where I feel like my hair is now stylishly long. Whereas for the last like four months, it was like ugly long. Now it's like, you know, this is fine long for me to look at. But Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that. You know, I, I'd, I'd, I'd hate to find out we were making any sort of drastic uh, changes to our day-to-day lifestyle. Just, be- just the- based on a few days of bad weather. No, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let everything keep growing and then I'll shave it in the fall like an idiot. <clears throat> It's it's been a while since we talked last because uh, I guess uh, some some stupid holiday got in the way and uh, we got busy. It was uh, I guess uh, some sort. Of, it was kind of a long weekend, right? So uh, plans were made, schedules were uh, conflicted with, and uh, we're a few days behind schedule. But uh, we're here and we got a lot to get to as a result because uh, you know we got we got those extra days we got to figure out. So mm-hmm. um, figure we'll just dive right into it and we'll start. Just oh god, I would of, love to dive into something right now, that's for sure. Wow, Body of water. Okay. A pool of cranberry juice would be good right now. I don't care. That's all right. There's no there's no yeah, I won't yeah. Um <laughs> I was gonna ask, is there no pool at the hotel you're at? But I didn't really want to say that you're at a hotel on the podcast. Oh yeah, I didn't even I forgot we didn't even mention that. Uh yeah, no, I no, again, to go back to the heat. I don't know if you heard how hot my house is. How hot is it? It's so hot. I rented a hotel room and I'm not going back home tonight because it's that hot. I can't do it. I can't do it. I, put it if this were if it were Thursday and it were this hot out right now, and I had one more day of my week to get through, that'd be one thing. It's the beginning of my fucking work week, and I'm exhausted from the weekend. Because I had a weekend. So yeah, no. Uh, there is no pool. They're not allowed to open it until phase three. So, oh right, I forgot for a second there that COVID was the thing. So, well, that makes sense. Is it though? Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> I got the beard going, eh? So I gotta, I gotta keep that. Right. I, I gotta play into the play into the image. Um, but no, like I said, uh, a lot to get to, lots to dive dive into. Uh, not a pool, but I would love to, to dive into something. A pool. Yeah, there it is. Cranberry <laughs> juice. Um, so how let's, let's just get it? into it. Just get into it. How hot is it, Brit? Yeah. <laughs> um, no easy way to bring this in. Uh, the NHL world lost uh, one of its own overnight. Um, as we're recording here on Monday, I, I believe the incident was was uh taking place in you know the wee hours of of sunday evening and uh 24 year old goaltender uh uh, matisse kivlinix uh passed away um due to a what's being reported as some sort of uh, fireworks related incident uh no doubt part of you know the celebrations uh over the weekend that took place and uh by all accounts a you know tragic accident and uh a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, I think he uh, he got into about eight games or so this season for the team and uh, 
had a, a real strong showing for Latvia at the World Championships. L- looked like a really, really promising, uh, upstanding young man uh, that uh, that obviously we're we're feeling the loss of today. The the Blue Jackets putting out a statement, the NHL putting out a statement, and uh, just a really tough way to start start the morning. That, that's the first thing you see when you wake up on your on your phone is, is that this has happened, and it's just puts a damper on the rest of the day. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, uh, hard to imagine for his friends and family, something like that. Um, you know, and it's, it's something I think you learn more and more and more as you age and I'm, we're both still pretty young, so I can only imagine how, you know, how more of this stuff you kind of learn as time goes on, but it's just, uh, man, 24, so young and, and you know, you think of him in the context of how we know him as a hockey player. Cause I, I, you know, I don't obviously don't know much about the kid for other than what was being shared today, but um, you know, like this is a goalie who, you know, we'll, we'll, I mean, we're going to have to talk about it too. When we do our Seattle Kraken expansion draft episode, like this is a guy who it was almost a foregone conclusion that Corpus Allo or Merzlikens, probably Corpus Allo, we're going to probably go to Seattle in this draft. That's how strong they felt about Kiv Lennox. There it is. Um, so, you know, like that, that's even right there. Like even just from a hockey context, like this, this is a significant loss actually for the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, on the ice, uh, but off the ice, you know, everyone uh, just loves the kid's energy. They said, you know, it was just such a, a positive, uh, you know, positive energy around the ice and you need that. It's not just important in a young player on your team, but that's certainly very important out of a goaltender. And, um, you know, like that, that it's, it's nice to hear that that's how he's going to be remembered. Um, but it's, it's sad that it's more of a, you know, that's how he's going to be remembered rather than that's how he is type situation. It's, it's, uh, it's tough news for sure. Yeah. Um, like like I said, it's a tough tough way to start the day. You know, your your heart goes out to to the family there, and uh, it's a really tragic story coming out of uh, out of Columbus. And um, you don't want to look too far down the road, but you couldn't help but think that maybe this guy was going to be a you know a piece big piece of this team moving forward. And uh, for this to happen, especially the way it did, right? Just a kind of a you know freak accident. You're trying to in, enjoy. You know, some time off, uh, time away from the, from the game, and uh, yeah. uh, a, a celebration by all you know definition. Um, yeah, tough tough to hear. Uh, and uh, yeah, I never I never really know how to transition away from this stuff, so I'm just gonna kind of keep the ball rolling. But, but uh, yeah, our, our our thoughts go out, and uh, uh, all, all all the best to everyone that knew him. Um, some happier news, I suppose, again, always not sure how to, how to move on, but Jonathan Taves, uh, has, has come forward and, uh, we've, we've broken the silence and we've, we've heard from him, the Chicago Blackhawks captain, uh, stating coming, uh, forth on Twitter that, uh, all, all signs seem to indicate that he'll be back uh, for next season and, uh, that he's doing, uh, more or less, you know, pretty, pretty well. Um, kind of kind of bizarre you know he, he explained 
what what he was going through and uh he had a name for it i don't recall off the top of my head it sounded like an autoimmune disorder where more uh, or less yeah uh, you know he, he he explained that his body had been through a lot of trauma you know through playing the sport and that it just wasn't able to heal itself for whatever reason and uh it kept him away from from the game all season long famously you know we we didn't have him uh with the blackhawks this season uh, but I, I thought that was really encouraging for him to kind of come forward and under his own, you know, kind of merit, explain what was going on and, and talk about his situation and kind of clear up any, any doubt, because I know there was a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of various speculation about, you know, what maybe was going on with him. Was it mental? Was it, um, you know, life threatening? Was it uh, career, career ending? And, uh, and by, by his own account, we seem to uh, be headed towards a return for Jonathan Taves next season. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's kind of the main thing is just uh, did the time off uh, serve him well, and um, you hope it would because my my I mean it, it's hard uh, it's hard to really know for sure, but to me it kind of sounded like that this was something that he's probably going to be dealing with for a long time, uh, to one degree or another. It's just a matter of you know. Um, keeping himself in good shape, containing it, I guess, right? Like learning to live with it, I guess, is how I kind of took it. So, um, you know, if that's the case, then uh, yeah, it's going to be nice to see him back. But, uh, you know, the, my takeaway, I guess, from this was that this is obviously good news because now we know what he's dealing with and it doesn't sound like it's at least directly uh, have any effect on his livelihood. But uh, at the same time, I, I think I'm I'm still somewhat, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess, about it because it does sound like, you know, he's not quite out of the woods yet. But yeah, um, some coaching hires we got to talk about. A couple more. Uh, the spots are filling in. We talked last week about the uh, Dave Haxtell hiring in in Seattle, and uh, and we've got two new spots that are confirmed. Uh, under wraps, Don Granado sticking with Buffalo, as I think we uh, kind of touched on. That that seemed to be the consensus, you know, rumor going around the league that that he was going to stick around and and try to make a uh, some sort of you know step forward with the club. But uh, it's it's in writing now. It's official. Don Granado, the head coach of the Buffalo Sabers. Uh, are we maybe just experiencing a situation where the team is uh, biding its time until maybe someone more suited can step in or, or do you see Don Grano as maybe being a, a solution here? Uh, well, neither. <laughs> like, uh, do I think they're biding their time for until someone better gets, goes along? No. Uh, do I think Gron- Don Granado is a solution? No. Uh, what I think is going on here is that the Pagulas and also Kevin Adams have no earthly idea what they're doing. So this is just the next guy. <laughs> like, like I don't, I don't know what the hell you want me to say really about it. Like, it's just like, I don't know. Like, it, 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 they've hired guys in the past where it was kind of a head scratcher. They've hired guys in the past where it was like, you know, okay, maybe this is why this makes sense. I don't even, like, like what? I, I don't know. Like, I they're trying to move away from this losing image, but they hire a guy who's been there the whole time they've been fucking losing. So what, how you, how are you moving away? Like, how is this any different than what you've been doing? This guy's been part of the losing message for years. Uh, 
So um, I don't know. Like, I, don't, I honestly don't know a lot about Don Granado. Uh, like of the Granados, he's the one I know the least about. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to say about him. I don't really understand the hire. The only things I know about it, I fucking hate it. I, I think it's a terrible move, but um, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I don't I don't really know what the reasoning is, other than I think he's just nice for their payroll because they were already paying him. It, it was it was interesting. Like I'll, I'll say this much: when you talk about you know you know the Pagulas not really having an idea what they're doing, um, the, the names are escaping me. But they they did make a couple of smart hires uh, the last couple of days in, in terms of their scouting department, uh, their department of hockey operations. Uh, they took a couple of guys away from the penguins that were very highly regarded in the oh, hockey yeah. community they hired someone good i think yeah uh again the name's escaping me but yeah it was one of those it's, moves it's where... always worked out very well in the last few years when the sabers will go and get guys from the penguins jason botterill Connor oh, Sherry. Yeah, I forgot he was yeah I forgot botterill was uh i i guess even going back to dan bosma in a way you know? oh yeah he's uh, a penguin um but you know, like it, it was weird because I, I think a lot of people could say on the surface that the Granado hiring was easy, simple, didn't have to really think too far outside the box on that one. But then they turn around and make a really smart hire uh, in a different department, and you start wondering, like you know, you got to ask that question at some point. Like maybe, maybe they know something that we don't know about uh, Don Granado. Maybe he, maybe him and Jack Eichel are best fucking buddies, and they they hang out every weekend, and, and that's the guy you want around. Uh, you know, kind of coaxing your captain to stay around Um, i mean i guess and i'm not trying to attack your logic here or anything like that but like that is the exact same reasoning why we were supposed to like ralph krueger was because the players loved him jack eichel loved him like they all got along with him and then we're like okay well maybe that's what the approach should be here and and it wasn't so i i I don't know like if don granado is a similar personality but maybe knows how to coach better than Ralph Kruger. Like, I guess maybe that's what we're assuming here, but I don't really see any evidence or have even heard anything to suggest that. Uh, Don Grado, uh, of course, taking over as the head coach uh, partway through last season with the Buffalo Sabres. He has um, never been a full-time head coach in the NHL. His last work was in the uh, USHL in which he uh, missed the playoffs for uh, four straight years still so. that's the highest level know. he's been a head coach huh uh he was ahead at the ahl but we're going back okay. a little further so okay yeah. okay well that's 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 something he actually uh he won an echl championship back in 1999 yeah i mean like the the and last game. The last coach they hired that really made much sense to me was was Ted Nolan. And of the most recent head coaches, he did the worst. He had the worst winning percentage, even like he he was the biding the time guy, right? Like he was the whole uh, interim. He's just going to watch the kids for a little bit here, like kind of thing. And uh, like Bilesma, I don't know. It never really made a lot of sense. Housley, I guess. I I don't know. It's just it, it seems like it's just guy after guy for this team where it's like I, I don't know. Um, and other coaching news, Andre Torigny has uh, Torigny. Isn't that right? Tur- There's a lot of different ones on that one. Torigny, I believe, was how they were saying it during the World Juniors. Torigny, uh, yeah, Torigny. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he, the 47 year old, has been hired as the head coach of the Arizona Coyotes. 
was gold medal winning coach with uh, the 2020 World Junior Championships with uh, Team Canada, was slated to coach the team again uh, this coming uh, winter. Uh, so Team Canada. Wow. Guess they have to start looking for a new uh, head coach for that level. And you know, uh, one guy that comes to mind that's had success at that level in the past is uh, you know our our old dear friend Mike Babcock. Maybe he'll uh, take another run at uh, World Junior Championship uh, glory. Um, he coached the World Junior team before. Nineteen ninety seven, I believe. Uh, Mike Babcock was the mm. head coach. Ninety seven or ninety eight? I can't remember. Nice. Was that the was that the punch up in? I forget what city. Prague. Punch up in what? Punch up in Pistini. Yeah, that's it. And that was 1988, I believe. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, fuck. Could you imagine they went with Babcock? Jesus Christ! Is the one? This is the one. That's the one event where the nation seems to just kind of come together for like you know 17 days, and uh, ooh, yeah, that would be a little of a divisive decision. Yeah, but uh, Andre Tourigny, mm-hmm. um I will say this. Of the most recent uh, World Junior coaches, like last, I don't know, 15 years or so, uh, he's probably the one I know the least about. Like, I know I know what he's done when he's coached the team, but, like, that's essentially all I know about him. I don't really know uh, anything about his junior. I don't even really know what kind of systems he likes. So do I have any thoughts on this hiring? Uh, I like it because it's someone who hasn't coached in the NHL before. That's why I like it. It's just something. It's something different. Sure. Is it going to work? Yeah. There's a good chance it doesn't, but it. It. I hope it does because it's somebody different. Like put put it this way: the the closest thing I can think of uh, in the last few years of a guy getting hired similar to this is Dominique Ducharme. But even he had been an assistant coach in the NHL uh, for like a while. Where Tarinier, I I don't. I think maybe just the past year or two with Arizona, maybe not even. Right. Not even, yeah, no. He he spent the last three years in uh, in Ottawa with the OHL. Great. Um, so I, I his, love it. his last his last work in the NHL was assistant of the Senators in 2015-2016. Before that, he spent two years uh, as an assistant with the Avalanche. You know, before they were good. Um, so hmm. it's it's interesting. He, he's he's a he's a guy that's uh, he spent a long time coaching in the queue. Uh, what am I looking at here? About eight eight, nine years with the uh, Rui Naranda Huskies uh, in the QMJHL. And then, uh, like I said, the last couple of years with the Ottawa 67s, obviously didn't coach this past year uh, due to the COVID pandemic, but back-to-back 50-win seasons with the Ottawa 67s, Jeez. they lost in the finals. Christ. Lost in the finals in 2019. Uh, they were 50-11-1 and one, oh uh, when the God. season was halted in 2019-2020, looking... Uh, Looking real good, um, but yeah, no, no, you're right. Like this, this is a guy, technically speaking, that has never held a head coaching job at this level, and uh, I think Arizona is a good fit for him, especially you know if he's looking just to just sort of get his feet wet and uh, get some experience going. I don't know how I feel about the team's success with him. You know, I think wow. he's going to be a really drastic change from Rick Tockett. How many of those guys are going to be able to transition away from from what Tockett was bringing in and 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 switch over to you know maybe this modern day style of of, of coaching? Uh, it's, it's, I've given my you know um, expressed my dismay for Rick Tockett. Uh, I I think with Arizona that is one team that stylistically plays the wrong way. 
Like, I, I think that's a team that could really fucking open the game up and play almost the exact opposite of the way that they do. They have a lot of skill. They have a lot of speed. And all these guys come in and are expected to play in a defensive system. And it's part of the reason why they traded for Taylor Hall and Taylor Hall fucking sucked there. It's part of the reason why I think Phil Kessel kind of had a rough go when he first got there. Nick Schmaltz is a guy who missed some time, but came back from that and he wasn't very good. Like Keller hasn't been what we expect him to be. And yet everyone still thinks he's a great player. Like, it's just like, you can go down the list. And even Ekman Larson is a guy where it's like, what the fuck is up with that dude the last three years? Like, why, like, why is he so bad all of a sudden? And it's like, well, maybe he is a offensive defenseman who has to play defense only basically. And, uh, Kind of like when Morgan Riley was, you know, certain had had ugly moments when he was under Mike Babcock is because, I don't know, you're trying to contain the fucking guy. You might not really know what he's doing. So uh, I, I, I've i always kind of wondered with that. Now, to, to that end, I don't know that that's what Andre Tarini is going to do with the team. Like, I have no idea what kind of coach he is, but he's a winning coach in the QMJHL. They, they can't be playing too slow, you know. Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited. I-, I did like him, uh, especially with his, uh, uh, you know, work at the world junior level. I, I think there's a-, a lot to like here about this hire, but obviously time will tell. And um, I'm curious, man. Like, I-, I tell you, like, I'm, I got a lot of time for the Arizona Coyotes at this point. Like, I, I want to see them kind of break through, take that next step. Uh, it's going to be tough. We, I don't think we've talked a lot about it, but like they're, they're moving into the central next season. Um, so they're going to be in a brand new division, uh, all year yeah, long. So. Um, you know, you got to compete with, you got to compete with some heavy hitters, uh, there, but I, I think there's room. Like, I, I think you could definitely see them squeak into the, the fourth spot, um, there for a wild card. And especially with the Pacific being so, so weak, like I, I think even fifth in that division gets you a playoff spot. So I don't know. Um, I'd be excited, uh, if I was a Coyotes fan, Maybe not next season, but in a year or two, there's, I think there's some good things coming. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I already said I like to hire. The other thing that I, I guess I have concerns with, even to your end of rooting for the Coyotes, is uh, I, I, I don't, I don't particularly like what I've heard about Bill Armstrong since he started there. So that's true. Uh, that, that's why, that's one reason why I'm kind of like, fuck that team, but. I think the point you're getting at is that I like the players. I like Andre Tarini. Uh, I've said it three or four different ways now, uh, but I don't like the ownership. I don't like the people in charge of that team. So I'm kind of conflicted on that one. Cause it's just like, I want to, I kind of want to see a lot of those higher ups burn in hell from what I've heard. But uh, also I love me some Clayton Keller. So it's, it's conflicting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a extension signing of sorts to, to kind of uh-huh. touch on here. This was a really interesting. We haven't had many of those uh, this then. year. No, nobody's spending it, money. Been, it's well, it's kind of funny what happens when like the, the <laughs> cap stays flat for five years in a row. Oh. That will happen, I guess. Right? I thought you were going to say when the world shuts down for eighteen months, but yeah, same, 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 but different. Same. same. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, former first overall pick had his six-year, $6 million contract come to a conclusion this year. And uh, guess what he did, Brooks? He went out and signed uh, for for more pain and misery with the Edmonton Oilers, an, an eight-year deal worth $41 million, taking a uh, not-quite-million-dollar 
pay cut yeah. on his cap hit yeah. overall. Um, yeah, I, I, I like it. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'm going to speak first on this one a little bit. Like I, I get that eight years is not the ideal situation if you're, you know, a team looking to to manage the cap. Uh, you know, Ryan is is 28 years old at this point. Um, an eight-year deal that's going to take you obviously till till age 36. Guys are not usually performing that well by that age, but there's something to be said about you know kind of rewarding players that have stuck around and and seen you through thick and thin and. And I, I think Ryan is the definition of that on this one. Um, he's been highly scrutinized since coming into the league. You know, former first overall pick, like I mentioned, never really living up to those heights. Kind of falls in behind the Taylor Halls and the Connor McDavid's of, of the team. And uh, But I, I think he's a lot – he brings a lot of important uh, qualities to that offense. I, I think he's more valuable than people give him credit for on that team. And uh, – if he wants to plant his flag in the Oilers and, and see this thing through, I, I admire him for that move. I admire the Oilers for rewarding him. And at the same time, uh, he still took, you know, a, 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 pay, a, home t- a hometown discount, if you want to call it that, uh, to make to, to make things, uh, you know, merry in the world. And uh, I like it. I don't know. Fuck it. He's, he's never been what we thought he was going to be, but good for him. Um. So I have, I have a question for you is just ju- judging by your tone. Were yeah. there people who didn't like this deal? Cause I think it's well, fantastic. Like I here, a here's, of... <laughs> here's qu- like a quickly, what I'll say yeah. is that um, like what people miss uh, above uh, like Nugent Hopkins taken what is technically a pay cut. He also gets like $41 million that in hockey, he's, he's like essentially guaranteed that $41 million. Like that that's fine. Like that's a great payday. Like that that's 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 like he's going to make more money in his career than I probably thought he was going to. You know? So if we're talking about the money here, like he should be very very happy about that. You're right, he takes a hometown discount for Edmonton to put more money elsewhere. But even considering that, like if you want to count it a discount, like if you don't count it a discount, like you take a look at a lot of the other guys around the league that made similar money to him, like last year that what he's going to be making this year, like he's 12th in scoring between players from uh, four and a half to five and a half million dollars. Like that's, that's good value. Like Ryan Nugent Hopkins is at his absolute worst, a fantastic third line player at his absolute worst at what he normally is. He's a solid second line player. And and five million dollars is a good is a good deal for a guy like that. I guess the only concern maybe is like you said, yeah, he's twenty eight, but I like it a lot. I think I think there's a couple different reasons people don't like the deal. Um, one of which is simply the fact that the guy's twenty eight years old. the The core hasn't really done much to this point. Maybe you're better suited to just move on from a guy that never really clicks. <laughs> and wait, wait. That money elsewhere move on from the second line guy that they don't seem to really think is is helping them if only i've seen that movie in edmonton before my god i know what you're i know what you're trying to say but like <laughs> i do i do think that there's there is some some merit not necessarily with nugent hopkins but i think there's some merit in saying that we came up with this group of guys and that that, that group being Nuge, Hall, Eberly, 
you know, um, uh, what's his what's his nuts on the blue line? Clef bomb. You know, that was supposed to be the the core of this team. And then you make the decision. Well, we don't like Hall. We're going to move on from him because now we got this other McDavid guy. And a few years later, you still don't really have anything to show for it. At some point, you've you've got to make that decision. Like, do we stick with what's not working? No, and hope for the best, or do we move on? Well, and your your logic is correct, but the the application is what I disagree with because, like, to me, it's not uh, is the core the issue here in Edmonton. The core. The, pr- the problem is, is that the core consists of three guys and has for several years now. Whereas like, you know, if we're talking about a culture problem, do these guys need a shakeup? Like that's the Calgary Flames. That's not the Edmonton Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers are just a shit fucking team that happen to have some good high-end talent and, and they don't know what the hell to do with them. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, I don't, I've never really seen Nuge as like an issue here. He's just a, you know, like maybe a few years ago, you kind of wonder, is he worth 6 million? And then since then he's popped off for like 0.75 points a game or more for the last four years. Like he's been, he's been really good lately. Now here, here's, here's the second part of my kind of oh, oh, I'm uh, sorry. response for you is, is that there's, there's certain people that think that the core is time, you know, like, like I said, that whole thing. And the other part of this is that there's a lot of people that are raising the white flag and saying, look, this is a guy that, again, we drafted first overall, and he's played one full season for us. He has had a lot of issues with staying healthy in this league. And to commit eight years of your salary to a guy that, you know, might be playing 65% of the seasons that you're paying him for, that's that's worth you know, like I said, I'm not. I'm not saying you should complain about it if you're an Oilers if you're an Oilers fan, but it's worth just putting your hand up and saying, you know, I've got some serious questions here, and um, I again, I wouldn't be worried, I but I get, yeah. I get the concern. Why well, I, I don't like that either, though. Like he, he, 16, 17, he played 82. He got hurt the next year. He played 82. Played 65 last year in a 70 game season. And he played 52 this year in a 56 game season. He's really only had one serious injury in the last five years. So like, I, I don't know. I, I think that's a lazy one too, but um, Hey, you're talking to the, uh, is he healthy guy? So yeah, I get the argument, but I, I think it, I don't think it applies to this player. Yeah. No. And, so you and like no the deal I, though. Yeah. I love, yeah. I like the deal a lot. I, I think it's great. Yeah. I, I, I like Nooch. Like again, he's just not uh Nooch is the, here's the thing is Nooch is the guy who, when you're talking about the core of the Oilers, seniority aside, should be probably the fifth to seventh name that comes up. And he's the the third. You know, that's the problem yeah. to me. It's just like, yeah. and well, Nurse maybe. I, I, I don't, Nurse is a weird one. But like aside from those four, there's no one. Like who else is part of this core? Clef Bomb, kind of? Like, I, I don't know. I hope so. Yamamoto, but, yeah, probably I, I, I like Kuliarvi, maybe, but like, uh, fuck. At some point, we got to stop with the question marks with this fucking core. And I, I don't know. I think Nuge is a is a lazy, it's a lazy way to point the finger. And I got, I used, I got it with Eberly in a way. Like I understand that it was just like, well, what the fuck do we do? We got to trade someone. But like, we're past that point with this. Like now, now all the pieces you had are gone. 
you almost have to do a mini rebuild with this fucking core and Nuge, I don't think is the place to start. He should be the guy that you get at a good value like this. Yeah. Now, do you think the Oilers would benefit from having two guys making $3 million each as opposed to one Ryan Nuge and Hopkins? Because I think Um, the depth of this team is the big problem. So yeah, I, no, I can I'm, see the argument there. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, like, fuck, I could take that in any number of directions. So, like, first off, no, I, I wouldn't because uh, the way that the Oilers have spent uh, money on $3 million players the past few years are not on $3 million players. They're spending them on guys that they shouldn't be fucking throwing that money at in the, in the first place. So, uh, no, I, I certainly would not rather see more definitions of the Oilers $3 million players. The other thing is that like, yeah, like do you spend this money here? Uh, do you, do you take that money and spend it here? Or do you spend it on $3 million? Like, like if you're taking money away from guys, we should be getting rid of Neil and we should be getting rid of fucking Cassian. And that frees up 9 million. Now you got three, $3 million players like that. That's where the money should come from. So buy them the fuck out. And then with their buyout, that that's going to free up almost $6 million there. There you go. There's your two, $3 million players. If you want them, it's just, again, to take away Nuge, you're taking away one of the only guys on this entire roster that does anything positive. This is this. I, I don't know how many more episodes I got to say it's this team is fucking terrible. It's fucking awful. It's awful team. And you're right. And I think a lot of, again, a lot of credit has to go to him for re-signing with this team. Oh my because God. Because he could have walked away. Another thing. Just count your lucky stars. People are signing $41 million deals in Edmonton and they're actually worth the money. It's yeah. not like you gave Patrick Maroon an 8 million year or 8 million, 8 million year, $400 trillion deal to come to Edmonton because he's the only fucking guy who would want to come there. You know what I mean? Like you gave it to a guy who was already there, has been good there. No reason to think he's going to start being bad there anytime soon. And like, you know, I, I like it. The only the only thing for me is just I don't I don't have a no movement clause there, but whatever, we'll worry about that another time. You know? That, that like yeah. that's very much for me. I'd rather get him at this like I agree with Ken Hall in there. I'd rather get Nuge at this at this cap hit. And if we got to move them, we'll fucking worry about that another time. But I'd be willing to bet on Nuge for eight years at that cap hit for sure. Uh, for the next half hour, we will now discuss uh, what the dollar value could possibly look like for a Zach Cassian extension. Because obviously, he's the hometown favorite. The fans love him. They want him around. That's the kind of guy you want on your, well, uh, your roster. See, so. see, luckily, James, we don't have to talk about a Zach Cassian uh, extension because he's fucking signed for three more years. So, hey, everybody wins there. Sure. Hey, it's never too early. Everybody um, wins except for the Oilers. Just pencil him in for eight five, maybe by uh, by the time that that deal's over. That's right. Um, <laughs> we have our first trade since um, Easter, I guess. That's yeah, April twelfth. That's roughly Easter. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's the, nice. Uh, Los Angeles Kings have acquired uh, winger Victor Arvidsson from the Nashville Predators for a uh, second round pick this year and a third round pick next year. Um, The Predators get the 40th overall pick for a guy that uh, has long been rumored to be on the move. And uh, we finally, finally know where he's headed, where, where he's going to make his, uh, his name. And uh, I got to tell you, I I think the Kings are putting something special together. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, I, I like, I like Victor Evanson. I don't, I don't think he's as good as people think he is um, at this stage, but I'm willing to imagine maybe there's, there's still something there. Like he's only 28. So uh change of scenery might help him. Um, he's another guy like the coyotes conversation where he was playing on a defensive team, playing with line mates who were also having some problems and uh, you know, took a million shots this year and scored like negative three goals. Like he's a guy who maybe benefits from a more talented group, I guess is what I'm getting at. So yeah, yeah, I think he could play with Kopitar. I think he's a, even at this point, considered a a veteran, like you could put him with Byfield even. Um, There's a lot to like, I think with Arvidsson and you get him decently cheap. So there were a lot of people who made this out to be like a steal for LA and I, I, it might be but there's no reason for me to like outwardly say that at this point. Uh, the last time there was an NHL season that didn't feature COVID, uh, Victor Arvidsson had 34 goals in just 58 games. So yeah. uh, he's proven that uh, when the opportunity arises, he can put the puck in the net. And I guess the, the big question mark for me is um, – you know, how much offense can he still provide and uh, how much of that Nashville offense was he responsible for? And I'm curious to see both sides of that, yeah. you know, and um, if, if this is a situation where John Hines was the guy behind him, not getting to those 30 goal lofts uh, recently, then yeah, absolutely. I, I think that there's a lot of, a lot of talent here and, and, and a, a really, a really big wing win, sorry, for the uh, Los Angeles Kings, but sometimes uh, sometimes you're just Danny Heatley and, and you just don't score goals anymore after a while. So it, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, the one, I guess, positive thing I'll say for Arvidsson is that he does have a lot of tools to work with. Like if there's, if this is going to be a reclamation project to some degree, you know, the guy skates like the wind. He's very good on the forecheck. Um, you know, like at, at very worst, if he's your, you know, um, go into corners and do the dirty work, uh, Zach Hyman, Gary Roberts type player, uh, he certainly is capable of doing that, but he has shown flashes of brilliance beyond that. So, um, yeah, I don't, I, again, I, I think at its worst, it's a second and a third round pick for a guy who, uh, as recently as, you know, a, a two years ago scored at like a 47 goal pace or whatever it works out to be that 34 and 58. So. Yeah. Um, okay. We're going to get to the, the big obvious news in a bit. Uh, game four of the Seneca finals is oh, going right. on. I'm watching it and speak. I forgot about it even. Yeah. there. It is. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> easy to forget. Um, Game four is going on as we speak. What a great time to record a podcast. We don't know if the cup is being handed out in a couple hours or not, but uh, we care. You do what you got to do, you know. Um, But before we dive into Tampa versus Montreal and the first three games and how all of this has looked, I have a quiz for Brutes because I know he loves them. All right. Before we get into quiz, excited. Yeah, I am going to grab a drink. Uh, yeah, I got a, I got a, I got a quiz for Brutes because I know just how much he loves them. It's, uh, it's all about the Stanley Cup Finals because again, we're, it's, it's happening right now. Wait, as we speak in July. It's crazy. I know. 
is it about the current Stanley Cup Finals? No, um, oh, a little bit of both. It's, oh, it's dear. a little bit of general Stanley Cup Finals and a little bit of, of, of current. But... Dude, I'm watching it, and I can't even tell you anything about it. I don't know. I am really excited for our discussion about the Stanley Cup Finals that's going to follow the, the quiz because uh, yeah. you seem very prepared. Yeah, me but... too. I can't, I can't wait for the overrated, underrated. I don't even know what it is, but I know more mm. about it. <laughs> that's true. I know more I about that to... segment than I do the Stanley Cup Final one. Forgot to tip you off on that one, but I feel like you'll be fine. Um, no, I, I've got seven questions because uh, that's how many games could take place in uh, Stanley Cup Finals. Not not this one, I don't well, think, but yeah, okay. in a we go. Stanley Cup Final. Uh, so i got seven questions for you, Brutes. We're just looking for you to pass. So four to seven, that gets you the cup, so to speak. Sure. And uh, unless you have any questions, I'm just going to dive into it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would love to dive into something. A pool, right. maybe some cranberry juice. Yeah, there it is. Uh, Brutes, question one, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell me the four defensemen in initial history that have scored a Stanley Cup winning goal in overtime? The four, four defensemen defense. who have scored a Stanley Cup winning goal in overtime. All right. Um, I, I, I think I can tell you, I think I can tell you all four of them. Okay. Uh, Bobby Orr. Yeah, he did it. Uh, who was the next best one? <laughs> there are other three aren't all that good. Uh, Bill Barocco. Uh, he, I, I think there's a song about him doing so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go on. Uh, Alec Martinez. Yeah. And Uwe Krupp. Hey, that's four for four, baby. Yeah. You're doing great. That's a great yeah. start. Thank you. Um, question two. Since the NHL introduced the current 16-team playoff format in 1979-80, which team has lost the most Stanley Cup Finals appearances with an astounding five? Has lost the most of them. Five? Five times this team has made it to the finals and lost. Since 79-80. Yes, sir. Nice Montreal just scored. Cool. Don't tell me who. It might ruin the quiz. Oh. Uh, uh-huh. Um. I wasn't Cockney I can tell you that. Um. Damn. See, I I can't. I was came out on fire there, James. You did. I I can't even think of a team that's lost like three times. I have one. I think lost three. I don't think they've made it to five and lost though. Um. Ah. Uh, well, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to drag this out too long. Uh. About, you know. Yeah. Well. Who do you got for three? Like, hit me with that. It is the only ones that make sense to me are either the Calgary Flames or the Edmonton Oilers. I find it hard to believe that Calgary's made it to five and lost. Oh, Montreal just scored the ugliest goal I've ever seen. Probably getting waved off. Um, hmm, the Battle of Alberta, eh? Which teams may be worse? 
Well, I'll uh, – I guess Dallas has lost a few. I don't think they've lost that many, though. No, maybe they have. Oh, yeah. Because that would maybe count Minnesota. Would Are we counting relocation, perhaps? You can absolutely count relocation if you'd like. <laughs> That's your way of telling me it probably has nothing to do with the answer. But um, let's go with the Edmonton Oilers. Final answer. Okay. I don't mind that. The Oilers, they, they've lost in the finals a couple times. Uh, however, I believe it's just twice. Uh, 83 okay. to the Islanders and 06, it was, obviously. It was one of those things where uh, I knew it probably didn't happen, but if you told me that they made the finals like four years in a row in the late 80s, I could have not won. Right. Like after they won, I'd be like, yeah, I don't know, maybe, sure. The, uh, the start... Sure, a good answer. I'll, I'll give you that. The, the Canucks did it three times. They've lost three times. Uh, the Stars, North Stars, are at four. They've mm. lost four times in the finals. But uh, taking home the crown is the Philadelphia Flyers, who have lost in the Stanley Cup Finals in 2010, 97, 87, 85, and 1980. And uh, if you want to get real technical, they even lost in uh, 76 as well. So they're they're at six straight finals appearances without a Stanley Cup championship. They came to mind, but I didn't think it was that many. Okay. Hmm. Basically, Fred every Bruce. year I thought the the Flyers lost there in the 80s. I just assumed the Oilers lost. So, Okay. Uh, all right. Now, a, a little bit about the two teams left standing, Bruce. Uh, question three. The Lightning defeated the Islanders in back-to-back years in the conference finals. Who was the last team to defeat the same opponent in the third round in back-to-back years? The last opponent. Um, I, I'll I'll just say Chicago. I I don't I don't know why. It just they they were good recently. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're looking for the Dallas Stars. Oh, those sons of bitches! Yeah. They beat the Avs in 99 and 2000 in the conference finals. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's okay. You're uh, you're one for three. It's okay. A lot, a lot of time. You're doing better than the Habs. Brutes number four is a question about Josh Anderson. Uh, what can you tell me about his mm. junior career? Yeah, nothing. No, not a thing. Yeah. Did he even have one? I don't uh, know. Question, question four is uh, if Nick Suzuki uh. fails to score a goal tonight, Ugh. The Canadians would finish tied for the lowest goal total for a Stanley Cup finalist's leading scorer with just seven, joining the 98 Capitals, the 99 Sabres, and the 03 Ducks. Uh, Brutes, who led those teams in goals? All right. So it was the, <laughs> the Capitals in 97. 98. 98, 98, whatever. Yep. The Sabres in 99? Yep. And the Ducks, Ducks in 03. Okay. Well, I feel okay with just guessing Paul Correa in 03. That's a great guess. That That is incorrect. Okay. Um, in, in 99... Hmm. All right. This will get our younger crowd being like, who... Uh, but 99, I'm going to go Stu Barnes. That is correct. 
Yeah, he was. That's he was crazy. With I nailed Dixon, that. He was tied with tied with Dixon Ward and Curtis Brown. <laughs> so I could have guessed any of the three, and I would have been fine. You could have. Yeah. Okay. Dixon Ward. Uh, I mean, I guess it's only seven goals, but still. Um, and ninety-eight is the Capitals. Yeah. I mean, the obvious answer would be Bondra, but it could be someone hilarious. Uh, I think it could be fucking Chris Simon, to be honest. That was probably the year he scored like 30 goals. <laughs> um, I'll go Bondra. Uh, Peter Bondra led the Capitals in scoring. However, he was tied with uh, Joey Juno, Sergei Gonchar, and Richard Zednik. Okay. With seven apiece. So. Okay. Scoring by committee uh, with uh, with that particular team. Uh, the Ducks, I'll, I'll give you a redemption pick. You went two for three, so I'll, I'll give you the pass on question four. But can you uh, you want to take a second stab at the Ducks 03? It's not Paul Correa, so it's 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 logically, um, you know, mm-hmm. the guy. Right. You know. I know that guy. I know that guy because uh, he's from my hometown. Yeah. And that guy would be Steve Ruchin. Well, that that was going to be my guess, but okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. You still get credit for the, you, you got it right. I'll take it. Yeah. Two for two. Yeah. Two for four. Sorry. Two and two. Well, I thought, I thought it was either Ruchin or there was an outside chance. I was just going to guess Mike LeClaire just because he was a guy, but. Stanislav Chistov. Ugh, uh-huh. Jesus Christ. Uh, question five, Brutes. The Lightning are looking to become the eighth franchise to win back-to-back Stanley Cups. Can you tell I'm me the other seven? Now. Oh, Jesus fucking hell. Uh, so does it count if a team did it like several years in a row? Like, do I have to name them tw- like a couple of times? Or is oh, it yeah. just franchises? At, at, at that least are... back-to-back. But I don't need to no, name at, every at instance. At least back-to-back like Cups. So... No, 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 just the team. All right. Um, well, so the Islanders have done it. They sure have. Uh, the Oilers have done it. They have as well, twice. The Penguins have done it. Twice as well. Logic would dictate the Montreal Canadiens have done it. Uh, four times, I believe. <laughs> uh, what's that, five? Is that five I named or four? That's four. Um, the Leafs have done it. They have. They were the first to do so. Well, that's crazy. Um, the the I have two more to name. You do. The Flyers have done it in the seventies, seventy five, and seventy four. And I'd assume. Let me think about this here quick. Yeah, the, the Bruins have done it. I assume. Uh, that's incorrect. The the Bruins have never won back to back Stanley Cups. Okay. Uh, we were looking for the the team with the third most Stanley Cups in in a oh, I thought history. I said them. I didn't. No, you're right. I didn't yeah. say them. The D, the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. But you got six out of seven, so I'll I'll give you the I'll give you the win there. Wow, nice! I'm killing it. So you're uh, you're 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 three out of five. It's uh, it's a three two series lead. You can close it out in game six. But will you? Let's um, do it. Brutes, Brutes, should the Canadians lose tonight, it will stretch their cup drought to 28 years. 
What is the franchise's second longest time between championships? Is it oh. 9, 13, 17, or 23 years? Yeah, I think you've asked me this before at some point. I don't remember the answer. 9, 11, 17, or 23 are my options? Not or 9, 13. 9, 13, 17, 17 23. Oh, man. I'll, I'll say... I think... I know they went 13 years between cups at one point, so I'm just going to say 13. That is correct. 13. Mm-hmm. From Closed 1931 it out. until 1944 closed it out going way back all right so uh you've already won but we've got one left so why don't we give it to you um sure brutes finally Braden point has scored 14 playoff goals each of the last two years can you tell me the only other four players to score at least 14 playoff goals in more than one postseason Hmm. i have a feeling that Pisani only did it the once. Um, I think so. Yeah, yeah. They've done it in more than on one more than one occasion. I mean, I, Gretzky had to have. He did so twice. Okay. I was looking up recently the best goals in a playoff uh, numbers because uh, in my be a GM mode, I, I took over the Oilers because they need help. And I scored, I think it was like 24 goals in a playoff with Connor McDavid. Like, I, I'm just fucked with that dude in that game, man. So, um, but yeah, so I broke the record by a lot there for sure. Um, but I don't quite remember. Like, I'm pretty sure the record holder was Reggie Leach, if I remember correctly. I feel like he probably didn't do it on more than one occasion, but the Flyers were pretty good there for a while. You know, hmm. so is he like a playoff guy? Maybe. You know, I'll I'll tell you this much: Reggie Leach is tied for the single playoff goal total with nineteen. I thought he ha- I thought he just had it outright, but well, I guess we're just playing for house money here. So, yeah. um, I'll go. I'll go Reggie Leach. Fuck it. Well, that, that is incorrect. Okay. I'll go maybe Yari Curry. He has done it four times, and he is the guy tied with Reggie Leach with 19 in his single playoff year. And maybe let's go let's go let's go Mario Lemieux. I know that. Uh, he's done it he, he has done it twice as well. Okay. So I'm missing one other guy. Yeah. Maybe I'll take a bonus guess here. Uh sure. is he still active? By chance? Oh no. Okay. No, no, I had no, thought no. maybe Malkin. Because he he uh, had the one yeah, playoff run there. People yeah. forget there was a playoff run where Malkin played like twenty two games and had like uh like eighty three points or some shit. It was fucking yeah. crazy. No, that that would have been a good guess, but that was fucked. Um Sackick, maybe? No. No. Okay. No. I don't know. We're going we're going way back. Okay. Oh, uh, uh Howie Morenz. Well, not that way back, but uh, no, we're looking for a guy that uh, that happened to win four straight Stanley Cups in the 1980s. Uh, Mike Bossy mm. did it three times. So, thought about him earlier. I did not guess him. Yeah, obviously. No, uh, that's you know what you did great. You got you got the guy that led the most. So I think that's the most important. Plus, you won the game. So yeah, that's good. I like there you winning. go. 
There it is. Sound like a final quiz. Brutes, um, take a lap with the cup while I introduce the next topic. And the next topic is just simply that we're going to talk about the uh, three and a half games that have taken place since since we talked last. And uh, the Tampa Lightning are up 3 nothing in their Stanley Cup final matchup with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, the red lights are flashing on the dashboard for Dominic Ducharme. Uh, Carey Price has not been Carey Price. Uh, the Lightning looked like a juggernaut. I, like, where do you want to start with this one? Because I think you and I, you know, months ago, were on the same page where, you know, the Lightning were a really good, really talented team, obviously the defending cup champions. But beyond that, that the Montreal Canadiens were not a very good team. And uh, they keep winning, which is it's weird. It's it's troubling. It's it's concerning. Uh, they keep doing it, and but the one thing they haven't done is win a game in the finals yet. So let's let's break it down. Like you you kind of mentioned, you haven't talked or sorry, you haven't watched a lot of uh, the finals thus far or paid attention. I that, I, that I would much. say virtually none of it. Yeah. So with, with tonight being a, a potential cup clinching game um how, how do you view this series like let, let's let's just go from the beginning because we, we've missed the first couple games so yeah. what's your take on it i mean like to, to to really understand why the series has been so lopsided you really just have to you kind of just have to dissect the two teams and and really like what it comes down to is you know it's not last week i said i'm, I'm giving montreal credit However, Montreal played some flawed hockey teams to get where they are. Uh, they've, they're a team that plays into the strengths of playoff refs. And Tampa Bay is a team who uh, pretty dominantly got to where they are by beating three teams that I think easily could be in this spot as well. Like, that's all it really is, is I, as I think Montreal played teams that you know, have some skeletons in the closet or have some serious hockey flaws they need to work out. Uh, any of the three teams Tampa played, I think, could have gone to the cup final. Like, I think they they had to just, you know, carve their way through some pretty good teams to get here. And so uh, a 3 nothing series lead as it stands and and one nothing Montreal here after one in game four. But, but you know, uh, this is a, an amazing fucking hockey team playing a team that, deserves i guess to be where they are in in one sense but uh you know is no match for tampa bay like that's just really how it is yeah like it's it's it like you're right like i i do give the habs credit they've 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 done what they needed to do to get to where they are and you know there's there's a lot to be said for that and um they're I think a lot of people had them going down against Vegas, myself included. Um, I thought they did a really good job uh, as, as far as that series was concerned. But, you know, like at the end of the day, they're just a flawed hockey team. And, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. Like in on, on you know, the most basic of levels, there's, there's nothing wrong with saying that we're, we're not we're not built the same as other teams and yet we still found a way to win. Um, I, I think that the lightning are going to have to 
do a, a, a really diligent job of, of closing this out in four because as someone who, mm-hmm. who watched their team blow a series lead against this 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 franchise I don't I don't want to play with any fucking house money here when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens because Carey Price has proven this playoffs at least and, and even going back to last year against Pittsburgh that he's he's still got something in the tank and, and whether we want to talk about him as being you know uh, in a league goaltender in this league or not I, I think he's earned that respect at this point where we just say, yeah, sometimes he's going to win you a game. And he's, he's gone this far. He's looked pretty bad in the finals by all accounts. But if you're Tampa Bay, you, you got to close this, close this thing up in four um, and, and just not worry about going back to Tampa Bay. Obviously, I don't know if you saw this. There was a lot of talk about the uh, the mayor of Tampa Bay saying that how the Lightning should just lose on purpose so that we can come back to Tampa Bay and, and win this thing on home ice in game five. And that whole thing just struck me as like, this, this is going to blow up in somebody's face if if this was to all fall apart. So, yeah. Um, I think Montreal has given it a valiant effort. I Again, I applaud them for what they've done. But at the end of the day, the Lightning are the better team. I, I think I think it's going to end tonight in four in a sweep. We're going to see the first sweep since 98. And uh, I think it's for the best, honestly. Like, I, again, I don't want to beat this this horse to death, but, like, the Montreal Canadiens winning the Stanley Cup this year would be, like, detrimental to the sport in a way, right? Like, on one hand, you've got a lot of fans. For the product, anyway, yeah. Yeah, you got a lot of fans that are going to be happy, and like obviously it's it's your oldest franchise and your most you know well known franchise, and it's you can sell that on a lot of levels. But for an on ice product, this would be the worst thing to happen to the game of hockey since well, probably the ninety six yeah. Panthers, right? Yeah, like well, it's it's hard to argue right now against the whole make the playoffs. And then as long as you got bigger guys and you can fucking haul the other team to the ice, you're going to win philosophy because it's working. It's, it was working for the Islanders. I'm not going to say that they are completely like that anymore. Like they're a better team than they were a few years ago, but they've gone on some runs with teams that shouldn't have gone on runs. And then the Canadians basically come into the playoffs with a team that's not even nearly as good. And they, they go further than the Islanders have. And it's just, it's kind of hard when you're, you know, the Nashvilles of the world to not look and be like, well, you know, even though we're big and slow, is that a bad thing? Like really, if Saros is hot next year and we get fucking Cody McLeod out there for 15 minutes a night to punch people in the brains, like maybe this will be good. And then it's, and then we're back to where we were 15 years ago where the game was just fucking unwatchable basically, you know, and 17 years ago, I guess, uh, compared to now. And so, yeah, you're right. Like it's, it's a copycat league. And right now, these these teams are making a good case to, hey, come follow me. Switching, like, gears a little bit here, like, let's let's talk about the Lightning and, and what they can accomplish by going back-to-back here. Um, I think the big storyline that people are taking away from what they've done is that we're talking about two championships back-to-back in years that, maybe have some asterisks, uh, you know, attached to them. Uh, do they count? Do they matter? Is this team maybe as good as we're talking about? Um, 
I, I'm curious to see where you fall on this conversation because I think you you know you and I, especially being Leaf fans, we saw this team in our division. Uh, we saw how good they can be. We saw them go to the finals in 2015 and uh, you know come up short due to some injuries. And uh, since then, they've they've looked really really strong. But the two wins that they are going to be remembered by have come in lockout shortened seasons or not yeah. lockout, but you know, COVID shortened seasons. So does that take anything away from these lightning teams or are we kind of having that conversation for the sake of having it because of what has uh, transpired in the background? Yeah. I, it's, it's hard. It's harder for me to make that, that case this year too, though. Like if Montreal had won, Maybe there's a case for an asterisk because it's the 18th place team. You know what I mean? A team that probably shouldn't be in the playoffs. But, like, even still, this is the playoff format we agreed upon. We played this schedule out to 56 games every single team like we agreed upon. And quite honestly, that, like, for me, I don't really see this year as an asterisk at all. Like, this was what we said the season was going to be. And we did it exactly how we said we were going to do it with a couple bumps along the way, but this is exactly what it was going to be. So I, I don't buy that here. Um, like I said last year, like, yeah, you can put an asterisk on the Tampa Bay lightning last year, if, if you want, because the bubble was whole, you know, more like basically just who's healthiest and who's most prepared. And then that's why the Dallas stars got their Dallas stars, another fucking copycat, you know, slow clutch and grab team. When you think about it, uh, like, I, I don't know. You can put an asterisk beside the Lightning last year if you want, but the whole debate for me is, does the asterisk mean that they don't deserve it? No. Like, it, all it is is it's a footnote. That's all an asterisk is. It's just a footnote. It's a, you need to understand one other thing before you consider it. So for me with the Lightning, like, back-to-back, maybe they aren't a true, true back-to-back if you really want to go there. I don't agree with that, but I understand maybe a little bit of an argument there. My whole thing with Tampa Bay is this is a team that, I think has had some really bad luck over the years and, and arguably could have about four cups with this crew, with this, with this crew, you know, like, like that's the big thing for me with like 2015, when they were playing the the Blackhawks, like I took them to win that series and I was convinced they were going to win that series. And I'm still convinced they should have won that series until we found out that 16 of the 20 fucking guys in the lineup were injured, including the fucking goaltender who was the, actually the only guy who showed up for game five because everyone was playing with broken bones and I was like, well, yeah, the Blackhawks are fucking good. If you're hurt, they're they're still going to win. doesn't matter how good you're supposed to be. So I don't know. Like, I, I think this is a, a core where they they could have had two or three cups by now or four anyway. So, you know, for them to take advantage of these years, you know, they had to learn the lesson they learned against uh, the Blue Jackets, I think, and they – seem completely dialed in now to a level that no other team is because on paper, I think there are teams that compare, but uh, you know, when that, when Tampa's on, man, it's, it's, I don't, I don't really know what you're supposed to do, you know? Yeah. And it's uh, interesting that you brought up, you know, 2015 and, and all the tribulations that they went through that, that year uh, specifically, it, it brings to mind like a question. And, and again, I don't want to make this, about the team we cheer for. So let, let's just even the playing field and say for anybody, for any team that's out there that's maybe hasn't achieved a championship in the last 10 years, um, 
watching the lightning potentially, and again, I, I'm, I'm saying this under the, the belief that they're going to win this series. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, but yeah, we really shouldn't count our chickens before they hatch too much here. Cause uh, we did right. that about right. the Leafs and Habs. So, and then they didn't win another yeah. game after that. <laughs> Montreal so, is so winning I, the current. I, game. <laughs> I, I do believe that they're going to win the cup this year. They won yeah. it last year. Um, what what kind of message do you think this sends to other franchises about, you know, staying the course? Because you go back to 2015 and you, you've got Stamkos, you've got Vasilevsky as your backup, you've got Hedman, uh, Palat, Johnson. I, I don't remember if Kucherov was around uh, in, in 2015. Yeah, but, but he, wasn't, he wasn't what he is now. Sure. Uh, what does that say to to a team that's maybe gone through some struggles recently, like do you just hunker down and say, you know what? Well, we'll see this through with the storm and brighter days are ahead. Or is this like a, a unique situation where uh, it was a perfect storm of, of different guys coming together and you needed everybody to kind of, you know, realize that 2015 was an anomaly of sorts. Whereas today we're, we're head and shoulders, the, the, the team that should be winning. Yeah. I mean, like there, there are a lot of people that think the the Capitals overreacted in uh, 2009 or whatever year it was, 2010, 11, where they started blowing up the team and just hiring anyone to coach and uh, that they could have had multiple Stanley cups, but they basically took themselves out of the running for about five years and they sort of had to, you know, reinvent themselves. And um, you know, the Penguins are another team where I think they don't get enough credit for, you know, kind of fumbling the ball a little bit with the salary cap in the early 2010s there. And, um, you know, like they're another team where they had two of the best players in the world at one point with a great goal, like a great, a great defenseman and a pretty good goalie. And, uh, you know, they, they found ways to, to lose every year and then kind of fucked themselves on the cap and sort of had to get creative. And, um, you know, that's why Kessel made such a big difference when they got him was just because, they hadn't had another forward of that level since when, since Hosa had left, which was seven years prior or six years prior. So like you just, you, you have to be careful with it and not hand out contracts that are, that are going to handcuff you. And um, you know, you can make the argument even going like, if you want to make the Leafs an example, like you make the argument, the Leafs have already handcuffed themselves and they're already in a situation where, you know, is Marner an $11 million player? well not exactly but he's pretty fucking good um so yeah I, I don't know like what message does it send i mean like there's definitely something to stay in the course uh san jose is a team that stayed the course though and and they never got it done and you know was that the wrong approach was there maybe more that they could have done to get themselves over the hump i i don't i don't know but uh, all I know is San Jose for me goes down as the best team in the last 15 years, not to win one. And, you know, could they have done like, more? Like, right. Like, like, like franchise overall, you mean? Yeah. I think, I think their core group that they had from 2005 to 2017, 18, maybe even is the best just core that I've ever seen that just couldn't get it done. And they kept making additions. that seemed to make sense. They go out and get Brian Campbell at the deadline on an already stacked blue line. And they go out and they, 
try different goalies and you know they're trading for Danny Heatley and it's like they they tried a bunch of shit without even really blowing the core up and they couldn't get over the hump and Mm -hmm. you know do the Leafs end up there do I'm trying to think who's even in a similar boat I guess Carolina maybe starts to enter that conversation soon um you know at what point are you not doing even enough? the avalanche like let, let's be honest yeah the they're, they're not there for me but but they they they'll get there if they if they don't yeah. win like any team will get into that conversation right it's it's interesting you know like uh, again like I, I i think tampa bay it's is, an interesting conversation this one for sure yeah i i i more look at it as 2015 being a bit of an anomaly like not a huge one but just a, a little bit of a different set of circumstances where you had Ben Bishop, who obviously isn't there now, and he was on what you might call a bit of a heater, and and they got through the right teams and they made the finals, right? And I think that they were a bit premature in that in that arrival. And the problem is, is that at that point they said, "Well, we're a cup finalist," and then a couple of years later they missed the playoffs outright, right? Like, at, that's that's a big thing that I think people don't talk about this Lightning team enough is that. They well, they they're better now the than they were. They're right, but but the the difference for me is that they're they go all in at the deadline now, and they bring in guys, and they, mm-hmm. you know, like I I hate to say it, but they are significantly over the salary cap, which helps too. But like, sure, you know, th- this is a team where now you look at their roster and it's like, holy fuck! Like the the worst the one of the worst forwards they have is Barkley Goudreau, who's who's awesome. And you look at the team in 2015, and yeah, like they, they weren't as deep, but I don't really think it was an anomaly too much. Like I, I genuinely think because he's no good now, that Tyler Johnson gets no respect for how good he was in the playoffs there for two years, in which he was he was Danny Briere. Like you needed a goal, and it's just Tyler Johnson just fucking scores. It was it was insane, and and like there was a time there where I think he- that that triplets line was. Yeah. like one of the best in hockey and that helped get them there. Plus they had Stamkos and like, they were a good team still. Sure. I just, I, again, I go back to the, the whole thing about they go there, they make the finals and then 2017, they're missing the, the playoffs altogether. Like for as much I mean, shit as we give the Leafs for their failures in the first round, this core has never missed the playoffs. Even like Matthews was an 18 year old rookie. And he's dragging this team to the playoffs still, right? So yeah, if I remember that Lightning that team that context. missed the playoffs, though, like it was like well, that was the year that I think Stamkos played like I don't know if it was twenty games, but it wasn't a lot. And like I think Vasilevsky got hurt. They traded Bishop, and then it was just like they had no one in net. And like I feel like that was just a year of like weird circumstances where it was just kind of like you know. Do you fire John Cooper? Because we have no other explanation other than injuries, you know. And they're like, "Well, no, we're going to keep John Cooper," and and that's kind of what happened. But like, I like I look at the 2017 Lightning as the bigger anomaly than the Cup Final Lightning. 2017 was the well, whatever the year they missed the playoffs, whatever year it was, whatever year they missed oh, the playoffs. Sorry. No, 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 sorry, yeah, 2017. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, I guess there's an argument there as well, for sure. Um, but for, for me, it just, it kind of instills that idea that sometimes it's better to stay the course and see things through and you're going to have your 
injury riddled playoff misses and you're going to have your swept by the blue jackets and eventually you're going to just get to that pinnacle uh, if you believe in the team and you believe in that core and and I, I think that this, especially the Lightning, are uh, a franchise that has really built into the idea that not only Steve Yeisman, but uh, Julian Brisbois has brought into this the, this franchise. Yeah. I, I guess stay the course as long as everyone's on the same page, I, I guess would be the lesson, you know? Um, now, I'm going to say it, and I know – we did the whole thing about how the Leafs were supposed to win that series. And, oh, and we famously went on there and talked about how they were going to win and, and they didn't, but I, I don't know if you've noticed, but you have a tendency of cursing things. So just be careful here. Okay. Your goalie curse is a thing. Next, next year, the Montreal Canadians, by all accounts, they're down three in the finals if they lose the finals, right? If, if they don't win four straight games against Tampa Lightning, um, what do you do next year? Because oh, I think God. that there's a lot of good pieces here, right? You, you've got some youth. In Montreal? You've, yeah, you've got some youth. You've got some talent. You've got a goalie that's maybe on the wrong side of 30. It's hard to tell. Like, he's, he's doing well, that kind of... He's on the wrong side of 30, thing. but... Whether or not that's going to be a factor, I guess. Right. He's doing that kind of Marc-Andre Fleury thing where it's like, I'm old, but I'm also wiser than I was. Yeah. And I don't put the puck in my own net. But you're going back into a conference, or sorry, a a division next year where you've got Tampa, right? Who, by all accounts, is the team that you just lost to. You've got Boston. You've got Florida. You've got Toronto, the team that you finished behind in the regular season this year. It, like, are you making the playoffs next year? And mm. if you don't think that tomorrow, again, let, let, let's say tonight they, they lose, we wake up tomorrow, the season's over. Starting tomorrow, you're, you're Mark Bergevin. How do you convince yourself you're in a playoff spot come next April? And, and, and what type of moves are associated with making that dream a reality? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mark Bergevin has had no problems uh, the last few years convincing himself that his dreams are a reality for sure. So I'm not too concerned about that. Uh, but I would say with with the team itself, like it, it's it, it's tough. I mean, there's no doubt that this playoff run is going to have some sort of a lasting effect, I think, on the players themselves. I think that they've probably learned some things during this playoff run that they maybe didn't know they were capable of. And so they're going to be playing with some sort of a confidence factor. They're going to kind of, as a group, be a little more, you know, no, not a little more, a lot more gelled than maybe they were at the start of this year. A uh, group that already seemed to be fairly gelled. Like I'm not saying that this that this team is is like hopeless moving forward or anything, but um, you know, like they've been trying to improve the roster for years, and they've Mark Bergevin's had to really get creative uh, in finding ways to do that because the guys he wants to acquire have no interest in playing for this team, and maybe that changes from a cup run, or you know, maybe 
a lot of these guys still don't want to go there. Uh, the one guy who did want to go there, his team matched the offer sheet. So like, you know, like it's just, they've had a lot of bad luck in trying to make this team better. And I don't know if you want to delude yourself into thinking that Joel Edmondson is like a, you know, a high end second pairing guy in this league. But if you, if you want to like go right ahead, I just, I'm not taking that bet long-term, you know, I, I, I'm not an Edmondson guy. I'm not a Sherratt guy as a guy who's written about him multiple seasons. I don't, I, he's fine. He's certainly fine. He's an NHL defenseman. He's not a 26 a minute guy uh, for years. Anyway, he seems to have served the purpose this year, but I'm not willing to take that bet long-term, I guess. I don't know. What do you do if you're Montreal? The problem is, is Mark Bergevin's calling the shots and, you know, the difference between what is the logical answer and what uh, maybe he thinks is the right answer uh, are two different things. And, you know, am I right to say that he's wrong? I mean, maybe, (laughs) because the team was 18th this season and whatever, but like they are in the Stanley Cup final. So you give them that, but. Yeah, I don't know. There's pieces there. I like Caulfield a lot. I think Caulfield's really fucking good. Um, but, you know, is this group of 20 going to be as good next year? I, I don't think so. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's hard to say. Like, I, I like Romanov. I, I think if you're putting Romanov into that top four. I'm sure he'll be good, like yeah. Edmondson or um, uh, Edmondson. Who, who, who's the other guy you said that, that doesn't is good? Sherrod, yeah, he's not good. Uh, taking one of those guys out of the top four and, and putting Romanov in full time, I think that's that's an improvement. Obviously, another year of Kakinami developing, Suzuki developing, Cockfield developing. Well, and and that was the one thing I kind of wanted to talk about when we talked about this series tonight was the fact Kakinami coming out of the lineup. Like, it, it it's it's tough to make this argument because you're still trying to win the Stanley Cup. But I don't think Kotkaniemi has been bad enough where I would want to take a young player like that out of the lineup in Game Four of the Stanley Cup Final. Like I would rather him get in, get his reps, and and like I think there is more to be said there. I mean, you're not, you know, as a coach, you're always trying to win. Like I'm not saying that you know throw in the towel and play the fucking kids necessarily, but I don't think he's been bad enough to suggest that he needed to come out tonight. Again, they're still winning, so. And I honest, honestly, like I, I just chalk that up to I don't know as much as Dominic Ducharme, right? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming he has something to say that he's not the right choice, and I, I hope that's the case. The weird thing for me, and and, and I'll say that like this, this is weirder to me than Kotkaniemi is Thomas Tatar oh has not played God. in oh what, three rounds now. See, and that's that the one, part to me makes no sense. That's the part where you come in and you say that you you think Dominique Ducharme knows more than you. And like I again, I've I said when he got hired, I like him, and I still think there are some good qualities to him. But like the Habs' only redeeming quality for the last three years is they had one of the best five on five lines in hockey, despite not getting the offensive production from them. Like like Tatar, Gallagher, Deneau, absolutely fucking dominated when they were on the ice together for three straight years. And now all of a sudden Tatar is not good enough to come on that line when you're down three, nothing and have no fucking semblance of, of really offensive pressure for a long time now. Like they win their games because they get the first goal and then they fucking shut you down. 
You know what I mean? And when they don't get the first goal, they're having troubles figuring out what the hell to do. Why don't you have a team that can play five on five against the fucking best team in the National Hockey League? And no, we're just going to sit Tatar upstairs and he hasn't played in a while is what Desharam said today. So he's definitely not playing again in these playoffs, basically. Like, yeah. what? Like, come on. Yeah. Uh, curious by all accounts, like that one, I, I really don't get. If you were going to tell me that, you know, we're going to send out Kotkaniemi and bring in Tatar, sure. You know, like that, at least I can kind of see on paper where you're trying to shake things up. You're trying to bring a guy in that has produced all year long as opposed to a guy that maybe maybe you just don't feel confident with the last couple of nights. And, and that's fine. But that's, you know, clearly not the case. So to, to make that, you know, very public even you know, going into game four, I, I thought was a very bizarre decision uh, by the Habs all around. But mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Not that down. Finally, uh, because it's probably going to be over by the time we talk again. You know, uh, game seven so. will go. Game seven will go Sunday at the latest. So, um, whether we have another you know recording before then or not, like, just give me your 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 opinion. Where where does this finish? Are we are we done tonight? Four, you know, five, six, seven. What, what do you like here? Oh. Oh my god. Um, I don't know. <laughs> fucking let's let's go lightning and let's go lightning. No, fuck it. Tonight. Who cares? Whatever. I don't know. Just get this over with. I'm done with this. Cool. Who cares? Gives a shit. You yeah. what do you well, think? The problem is is like if you if, if the Habs win and they go five, right? Uh I don't know if um Emily Arena is still standing because there's a huge uh, hurricane blowing in uh, over Florida right now. So I, I don't know if that's going to be hmm. an option. So might be, maybe doing the old neutral site game, you know, uh, yeah, live in but Cleveland. Here's see the, the Seneca finals. Conversely, if the Habs win tonight, uh, there might be a riot that burns the bell center to the ground. So you kind of have two problems, you know, also an option, neutral Definitely site games option. for the final three games. Uh, I'm, I'm down. Kansas City's yeah. been waiting to get a team for a million years. Yes. Let's see what happens. Yes, they have. Jim Ball silly. I'm sure I'll be all over that. Go Scouts. <laughs> um, finally, here's something that I thought was Scouts. just batshit and crazy. Um, I don't know where this since, is going still. Since 1980, Brutes. Since 1980. You remember 1980? Of course you don't. You were fucking born then. No. Um, the number one hit was Keep on Loving You yeah. by REO Speedwagon, I'm going to guess. Probably. Um, since 1980 until this current season, at least one teammate of Yager Yager has appeared in the Sonic Cup final. How fucked is that statistic? The funniest part was like reading through the list and then getting to this year and they're like, oh yeah, it's John Merrill. And I'm like, from where? And then I started doing the math and I'm like, yeah, Yarmer Yager was a devil. He played for the New Jersey Devils for sure. Yes, he was. That's not too good. But like even even the presence of my like like Merrill was he was fine, right? Like he he was on that Vegas team that went to the finals that, that didn't win. Mm-hmm. But like if he wasn't on Montreal this year, like he was on Detroit at the deadline, mm-hmm. and they pick him up at the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> that that streak is broken. Yeah. 
so it's just one of those things like like how long is this going to go on for like are we going to have a yager guy next year who's left well how many guys are are there kicking around still that play uh, i would say the yager teammate next year will be when johnny goudreau's on the on the bruins next year obviously right yeah teammates wow. for 23 games baby uh, all right, that uh, that brings us to a topic that we kind of put off for a little bit. We 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 said we were going to talk about it when it was all out there in front of us to to, to see. Oh and yeah, to pick apart it's and fig- finally and our out, uh, the initial awards. Oh, I thought it was our mystery Sorry? Alaska bonus episode. Finally. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we recorded that. that about six months ago. We still haven't put that out, have we? Yeah. Too bad. Yeah. Good movie though, Russell no, Crowe. We're, we're going to talk about the NHL awards because uh, those have all come out in a very anticlimactic uh, type of fashion, and uh, yeah, let's talk about some stuff that maybe shouldn't have happened. Um, I'll get it out of the way Spicy. first. All the stuff that we knew going into it, uh, Connor McDavid, he won the Art Ross. I don't know if you knew this. He had 105 points in 56 games. So. Congrats. Yeah. Uh, Austin Matthews, uh, he won the Rocket Richard. He had uh, 41 goals in 56 games. So. Congratulations. That's pretty cool. Um, and uh, Mark andre Fleury and Robin Lehner uh, shared the uh, William M. Jennings Trophy for fewest goals against. So. Nailed it, boys. Good job. Yeah, good, good for them. Good for them. Three, three for three. Uh, now, now, Brutes, let's let's really dive into it now. We've got the votes out. Uh, the King Clancy... No. Um... Pick I don't a, even know what that's Reno. for. Pe- Pecorino won that, by the way. I don't know. Sure. It's for leadership off the ice or something. Okay, well, good, because he certainly good. hasn't led on the ice for years. So, Oh, wow, there it is. Yeah. Uh, Brutes, the Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy for players that exemplify the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication. Your finalists were Matt Dumba, Oscar Lindblom, and Patrick Marlowe, and the winner was Oscar Lindblom. Fucking yeah, it was. I think it was the first time I was ever mad about a finalist, though. Like Marlo getting nominated, fucking kind of annoyed me. But whatever. Um, That's the yeah. same as Yaga, though. A few years ago, right? Yeah, but I thought there were better options this year. Like I put it this way, I just I liked my ballot. I guess. Um, yeah, I had Lindblom. I had Lindblom number one on my ballot. Like you know what what he did was super impressive. That was the whole issue last year. Was just, um, you know, like. You feel for him, but let's let's see, you know, where the hockey end of it goes next year. And even if he were kind of just kicking around the team this year and not actually playing, I think even this year would make more sense for me for him to win, even if he hadn't played. Uh, but he played, and he came back, and he was good. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, happy for him. Uh, clear number one winner, obviously. What was your final three, by the way? I had Trocheck two and Mott three. Trocek okay. has broken two legs now and still is like almost a point per game player in the league that no one talks about. So I had Flurry at, at two, and uh, my third spot was reserved for uh, whoever gets COVID and comes back stronger, but uh, that didn't really happen. So that was your end of season pick, though. That must have been your mid season pick. I was going to say there's no way. I no, I I don't I don't have my end season. Oh, you didn't you didn't write them down? Uh, yeah, okay. Well, I don't remember what you said either. It wasn't anything COVID related. I'll tell you that. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't. I don't remember doing an end of season of course. Mm-hmm. Well, we did. There you go. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what's up next here? We got the uh, Willie O'Ree community. No, um, <laughs> uh, the the Jack Adams Award. We spilled the beans on this one. Rod Brindamore did win it. Uh, oh, your runners up were Dean Evison and Joel Quenville. Um, Mid season, you know, I had Everson winning it. I had uh, Maurice in second and Keith in third. I think Keith finished fifth, but um, yeah, you know, I rode the bot. Good for him. Yeah, uh, I, I I like Rod Brindamore. I did not have him on my ballot, but that that's a fine pick. Still, it was a good year for it. I think really, you know, thirty six, twelve, and eight can't really argue with that i guess no i'm I'm good i'm still good with the win uh the uh frank j the frank j selkie trophy uh your finalists were barkov bergeron and stone and the florida captain took it home alexander barkov with his first selkie win (laughs) that's the exact ballot i had that's 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 right oh nice yeah i had stone kopitar matthews so yeah okay yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like that, this was an interesting year for the Selkie. Like there were, like Philip Deneau would have been up there for me. Joel Erickson Eck would have been up there. Probably uh, Joe Pavelski is another guy too who actually had a. I didn't really think he was all that good of a defensive player until now, but uh, apparently thirty-seven. He's going to be uh, one of the best defensive players in the league, which I think is cool. So right. I think uh, I think local boy uh, Jordan Stahl had some uh, some sixth place votes. As Did well, a good year. So. He had a good year. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get to the one that uh, caused a whole lot of drama, apparently, online. Mm. Uh, the Lady Bing Trophy, your finalists for oh, Austin right. Matthews, Jacob Slavin, and Jared Spurgeon. A couple defensemen, pretty cool. Mm. And uh, Jacob Slavin took it home, uh, a guy that uh, played you know, top minutes against the Tappy Lightning and the Florida Panthers and took one uh, puck over glass penalty all season long. Uh, he won it. But some people don't like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I had Slavin winning, so I'm, I'm I like it. Uh, I had uh, I had Slavin winning with McKinnon and Petrangelo as the runners up. So at the midseason, yeah, nice. Uh, thought thoughts on uh, Damian Cox freaking out for two weeks about uh, the Lady Bing. Didn't we talk about it last week? Maybe we didn't talk about it last week. Maybe it hadn't happened yet. I don't know. I don't remember talking about it. But uh, yeah, I don't. Regardless, know. Like, if we talked about it last week, it kept going for a week solid. So yeah, it's just it's such a weird hill to die on, though. Like it's just like what the fuck? Like this is an award that like many people think shouldn't exist, and if it sh- and if it does exist, it should be voted on the fucking like by officials or by like other players, and like. No player wants to win it because they think it makes them look like a pussy. Like, it's just, there's so many problems with this award where it's just like, you know, we basically should abolish it. And uh, Damien Cox is super rattled that Connor McDavid, a guy who doesn't enter my uh, mind as a gentlemanly player or anything like that, is fucking should win because he's the best player. We already have best player awards, man. So if that's what this award's got to become to you, then let's just get rid of it because we already got tons of them. And he, like, how many awards does this fucking guy need? Who cares? He gets $15 million a year. Shut the fuck up about him already. You just He's got plenty of awards. Who cares? 
the Jim Gregory General Ugh. Manager of the Year Award, an award that we did not vote on because we Ugh. were dumb. Uh, Mark Bergevon, Lou Lamorello, and Bill Zito were the finalists. And for the first time ever, we have a back-to-back winner in Lou Lamorello. I mean, I'll say this much. I think it's cool that Lou, of all guys, won it back-to-back. But I still maintain that I think this award is pretty dumb. So good for you, Lou, winning an award that doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, like part of me really wants to put together like a three to five thousand word article about how like lots of evidence of how I think Lou Lamorello is the most overrated general manager of all time. And uh, the only problem and the reason I don't do it is because I just look like a salty Leaf fan if I do it. So I can't say anything. But like, what's the fucking deal with this guy? Like, who gives a shit? You know, like, I don't know. He built a good team and then just well, there was no salary cap. So he kept all those guys for 15 fucking years and the best goalie in the world. And then uh, he, they're horrible for 10 years. They finally fire him. He goes to the Islanders and I think he's caught lightning in a bottle there. And all of a sudden we're supposed to talk about this guy. Like he's the Gretzky of GMs. Like get the fuck out of here. I'm sick of this fucking guy. Uh, speaking of Gretzky, the Mark Messier NHL leadership <laughs> award. Uh, oh, I actually is, do want to uh, know who won this. Who won that? It's 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 voted on by Mark Messier. He gets to pick. It, I actually like Mestier. this award. Like I like yeah. I just I think this is one where I'm like that's that'd be cool to win. Like you know who won it? Uh, leadership uh, qualities to his team on and off the ice during the regular season. It's uh, Patrice Bergeron. Okay, well, like for for a guy that's been yeah. the captain for one year and one year only, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we always think about Bergeron being this guy that's like oh he's been the leader for like. 15 years in the Bruins. It's like, well, he's only been captain for one. So Good I think it's him. cool when a non captain wins it, though. Like, didn't Wayne Simmons win that one year? He, like, I don't even think he wore an A. I was like, that's cool. Like, it's hey. not, it's not, you don't have to be a captain. It's more like a community service award, right? But it's like often a captain just it, because it, it of just that. just has leadership qualities on and off the ice. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, like, because Shane Doan won it one year. And like, don't get me wrong, he was the captain of the Coyotes, but like, it was like, in the video they show, basically, the NHL where it's like, oh, here's him at a hospital, and here's him in a place, and it's like, they never show anything about hockey. And then the whole speech is always just about, like, yeah, he raised, like, $300,000 for the fucking, you know, who gives a shit society or something, and it's like, wow, that's that's really cool. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Calder Memorial Trophy, your finalists were... Uh, 36-year-old Kirill Kaprizov, Alex Nadelkovic from the Hurricanes, and Jason Robertson, the older brother of much more well-known Nick Robertson. So, uh, obviously, the winner was the uh, 42-year-old Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah. Yeah, that's who I had winning, so. Yeah, big shocker there. Yeah, just let the, let the guy that played six pro years win the win the Calder. It's, it's fine. Um, the James Norris Memorial Trophy, Adam Fox, Victor Hedman, Kale McCarr were your finalists. And uh, holy shit, the PHWA had the balls to give it to Adam Fox. Good for them. Congratulations yeah. for doing the right thing. Well, I mean, it does help when you, uh, you know, 
20 votes by division. So that's 80 of the votes. And then the other 20 votes are at large writers who they actually like gave like Dom Lecician and like, you know, actual smart people votes and stuff like that. So I, I think maybe, you know, like that kind of helped a little bit. Like we actually got some, you know, people paying attention to uh, actual stats and things like that rather than plus minus. So yeah, Adam Fox, my, my, he was my number one. I had Dougie Hamilton too. I, I didn't really have Hedman all that high, like probably five or six. I didn't really think he was particularly that strong this year, but I had Hamilton two, McCarr three, McAvoy four. I don't think I picked a five, but it was probably Hedman. I had Hedman, Gerard, and Petrangelo. So mm-hmm. shows what I know. Okay. Well, that's mid-season though. Yeah. So mid that that see mid-season that's fine. Like I think I had Fox on my mid-season. Like that your mid-season ballot makes sense mid-season. It just doesn't make sense now. Sure. But my mid-season was uh, I had McAvoy one, Hedman two, McCarr three. So I also didn't have Fox on my ballot at that point yet. I know I had him high up there, but um, yeah, I, I didn't have him there either. So you're fine. Uh, the Ted Lindsay Award, uh, voted on by the NHLPA for uh, team uh, player most valuable to their team. Crosby, Matthews, McDavid were your finalists, and uh, Connor McDavid won the award. You've probably heard of him. Uh, he's uh, a little guy from Edmonton, Alberta. Well, playing for Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, 105 points, I think, in 56 games. That's, that's not too bad, I guess. What award is this? The heart? The uh, Pearson. Oh, I didn't vote on that. <laughs> it's hard to, right? Yeah. Like it's hard to vote on an I don't, I don't qualify for that one. I don't qualify for any of these, actually, but I, I yeah. pretend I do. Uh, the Vesna Trophy. Uh, Mark andre Fleury, Philip Grubauer, and Andre Vasilevsky were your finalists. And uh, for the first time in his career, he was a finalist. And for the first time in his career, Mark andre Fleury wins the award. Um, a bit of a shock for some people. But I think the numbers suggest that Fleury actually kind of deserved it in a way. Uh... Yeah, like I, I, I don't agree. I thought Vasilevsky was was better, but the the problem I think for Vasilevsky and like first off, I should say the general managers vote on this award, so the general managers did not consider anything I'm about to tell you. But um, Vasilevsky was not very good down the stretch, and a lot of the like underlying analytic goaltending numbers that he was like basically setting records in he ended up finishing like second and third in by the end of the year. Like that's how bad he was for a stretch there kind of thing. So I think it took from what was like a clear cut head and shoulders win for him to like now being at least a conversation. And a lot of the general managers were willing to just kind of go like, well, if it's a coin flip, I'll give it to Flurry. And it wasn't a coin flip for me. Like it still should have been Vasilevsky. But if you think it's a coin flip and you're deciding between the two, I mean, it's maybe not the right way to do it, but yeah, like Flurry, it'd be nice for Flurry to have a Vesna. Like, I get that, right? So, I don't know. I don't agree with it, but I'm I'm happy to see him win. And I think Vasilevsky is going to be one of the best goalies in the league for like. I, I think he's going to be like one of the greats by the end of his career, to be quite honest with you. So, he'll have another shot. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, I I, I kind of agree. Like, for me, it's not so much just like. Uh, he deserves it, but it's just like the guy's 37 and Vasilevsky's what? 20, 
eight at most. Mm, yeah, 27, 28. Yeah. So for me, it, it it's 26, actually. So there you go. Um, it was one of those things where it's just like, yeah, the 37-year-old is just a little more impressive because of his age, in a way. And I, I know that's like not a great way to look at it, but well, no, but that's, that's years... similar to what I'm saying, though, right? Like, it's if yeah. it's a coin flip, and it comes down to little shit like that, like yeah, flurry. I don't know. I guess moves the needle a little bit for you on the sexy meter, but I, again, I don't even think it's sexy. I just think it's like, yeah, you're 90 years old. You can run a marathon. Fucking good for you. Get get yourself a fucking trophy. Like let, let's go here, right? Like eventually you have to have that conversation where it's just, it's not expected for you to do what you're doing. And I think Flurry's at that stage in his career. So. Hmm. Okay. Uh, that leaves us with the heart trophy. You've probably heard of it. It's uh, for league MVP. Mm-hmm. It gets your everyone mad Nathan every McKinnon. year. Yeah. Well, does it, uh, your finalists, well, not this year. McKinnon, Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and uh, Connor McDavid, that guy I mentioned earlier, uh, he's uh, he he's got it. Good for him. Yeah, it's great. He's got what five of them now. Four Is years, he? Like that. Um, because I've only paid attention specifically to the voting. I guess to the last like four or five years. When was the last time we had a unanimous winner? Do you it even just know? Happened only one other time. And, and do you know who it is right offhand? 1982 Wayne Gretzky. I didn't even realize the voting records went back that far. Yeah, like that's it's that's that's the insane part is just the fact that with all the stupid galaxy brain fucking takes that we have nowadays, uh, that no one even tried to work their way out of that one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everyone was like, Yeah, like that's that's fine. So um yeah, I'm I'm happy to see him win. He he, he deserves it. It's uh you know um it's nice that it was one of those years where i think even if the team was worse like maybe it wouldn't have been a unanimous win but like 105 points in 56 games is just kind of like uh you know the dunk to seal the deal with three minutes left in a clincher kind of thing you know like that's just like a that we're done here kind of thing right like he he had it i think um you know i had vasilevsky two and matthews three i i get the mckinnon argument and it's not take anything away from him or, or Matthews. Just uh, I, I thought the Lightning, I think the Lightning are, uh, you know, quite reliant on Vasilevsky as good as they are. Uh, you know, well, they need him. Especially to be when you in. miss a Hart Trophy winner for the entire season, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but even in the playoffs, though, right? Like they they don't have any other goaltender. Like if they put in McElhinney, I still I don't think they're I don't think they're here by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, I, I had him number two. I think that he does. I think he's their most valuable player, like through in and out. Yeah, I think he is for 100%. I think the uh, the bigger surprise here is that McDavid actually went 100 for 100. Like, who, like where was yeah. that one fucking rogue journalist? That's that what I'm like, saying. Well, like that, actually, that's... I think that the Calgary Flames, you know, actually had like a really good. Well, <laughs> and so I thought that was interesting this week too, was to talk about, um, you know, Rob Rossi for, uh, of uh, the athletic for Pittsburgh going on that. He already, actually, I don't even think he is the athletic, but he's a Pittsburgh beat writer. And he went on that whole rant, uh, you know, a month ago, maybe about how like, 
it's ridiculous that Sidney Crosby's getting no love for the Hart Trophy and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, no, sure. Like, he deserves a conversation, but it's a short conversation because Connor McDavid. And um, so everyone was, like, waiting in anticipation for this to be a 99 out of 100 vote for Rob Rossi being the one and vote Sidney Crosby. And Rob Rossi, actually, I'm, I'm making him sound out to sound like a bad guy, but apparently surrendered his vote this year to give it to someone else that he thought deserve a vote more than him and i don't know who it is but that apparently like all the writers are kind of saying like yeah you did that so it was just kind of funny waiting for that rogue vote and it never came because rob rossi didn't vote on anything this year <laughs> you know that, that that in my mind was 100 percent just like the dude being like well i'm not gonna win anyway so fuck it and give it to somebody <laughs> else like yeah to me I, maybe yeah going on about that it's just like yeah he's being a little temper tantrum and just said fuck it and you have it and oh but no but he surrendered his vote for every award like he he gave it to someone else that he thought well no i don't i don't agree well maybe i mean i don't know i don't know the guy personally but no it sounded like he was just trying to be a good guy but yeah fuck him i don't know i don't know to hell with him flower uh those were your uh, award winners Mm. this, this year so Congratulations, everybody. Yeah. Um, we got an oofle. Oh, okay. And Bruce doesn't know what it is. No. That's fun sometimes. But yeah. Um, we're going to end on that. And uh, look, you and I talked about the heat to begin the episode. And uh, favorite Miami Heat players of all time. All right. Well. Oh, wow. Uh, least favorite, favorite Miami LeBron. Vice episodes. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're gonna do uh, ice cream flavors because that's how you beat the heat. You beat oh, you beat yeah. the heat by doing ice cream. You know, and you know, I don't think that you remember how I was saying earlier that I thought I, like I had one and I couldn't remember what it was. I'm that actually might have been it. Nice. Because no, that's exactly what it was, man. Because because here's why is um. On Canada Day, I went golfing, uh, and then I went home and I had a little nap because it was hot out and I had, I had a long weekend yes. coming up. So I was like, I need to fucking get some sleep here. And I, uh, uh, my mother had texted me while I was napping, and she's like, "Hey, I'm going for ice cream with your grandparents. If you're awake by the time we order it, I'll order you something." And in my post nap haze thought of this as a as a topic so good topic man i'm 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 down this this i can't say i thought about my answers but i de- this is definitely what cool. it was going to be that's actually Fair hilarious enough. cool yes okay uh yeah ice cream uh you love it i love it we love it we all scream for ice cream now uh, is it overrated... just oh is it just yeah. strictly ice cream flavors or are we taking into account you know the way that it's done like is it a um, you know, like is a chocolate milkshake different than chocolate ice cream kind of thing? I would, I would say, because that's a milkshake and not ice cream. So we're just doing strict, like by the cone, by the cone, or, or slash like, by the serve. scoop. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like, I okay. wouldn't eat a milkshake with a spoon. Is what I'm saying. Okay, no, no, no. Well, no, but it is, it is an ice cream flavor. Just it's just done differently. Okay. No, I'm. Uh, yeah, all right. Sure. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll go first just to give you some time to you know prepare. Uh, my overrated is uh, cherry or black cherry or you know whatever people want to call it. Do people like that? Uh, that's my dad's favorite ice cream flavor. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't mind it. 
but to be someone's favorite, that's pretty wild. So that's that's <laughs> that's overrated in my life. In my life, that's overrated. Interesting. Um. Okay. Well, I I li- I like it, but I would say that overrated is probably uh, probably mint chocolate. Like it's actually one of my more favorite ones, but I would say that it's overrated just because I think like the people who really like it usually live and die by it, and uh, there are a lot of people who don't like it. And and for me, that's just it's one of those things where I think the people who like it maybe overrate it more than it should be because uh, you know it it. it I don't know. It's it's a bit of an abrasive flavor, I would say. So, uh, I will say that it's overrated. My girlfriend thinks it tastes like toothpaste, and I don't know what she's brushing her teeth with. Yeah, but it's that's not even close. So. No, no. Like I, again, I like it, but it's one of those things. Like people tell me why they don't like it. I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. Like I get why you wouldn't like this. Uh, my underrated is French vanilla. You think vanilla is yeah. boring? That's fine. Have some French vanilla. That shit slaps. Mm-hmm. Wow. Underrated. Mm-hmm. I think it gets just a bad name from being a vanilla, but it's unreal. It's fantastic. That's that's fair. Uh, my my underrated is probably gonna have to be pistachio. Um, because when you think of an ice cream flavor or put it, you think of a pistachio, a pistachio flavored, anything, uh, that just sounds insane. Sure. Whatever. But, uh, yeah, no pistachio ice cream. I I think is underrated. Where do you get that? Uh, a lot of ice cream places. You can get it several places here in town for sure. I I loved pistachio cheesecake. My grandmother used to make it. And uh, I have never even heard of pistachio mm. ice cream, which makes it underrated. That's because it's but underrated, like, James. <laughs> no, definitely. You're 100% right. But it's just one of those things where it's like, where do I get that? Because I want some yesterday. Um. Well, I mean, even just talking like our side of town and ice cream places, I'm 99% sure you can get it at TJ's. All right. TJ's I'll, rocks. I've, I've too, been there, the but I'll I'll keep I'll keep my eyes out. That, you know, like oh, it's great. I love TJ's. It's fantastic. I've just never seen pistachio there. And while we're Big on fan. the topic, I'll even say most underrated ice cream place in Thunder Bay. Is it might be T, it might be TJ's. It's solid. It's probably just Chapman's for all I know, but I think it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's it tastes better than Chapman's to me, but you know, yeah, it's fair. Yeah, uh, my favorite is uh, mint chocolate chip. So you can oh. go fuck yourself with your <laughs> oh for sure. Well, yeah. well, here you know, I'll give you some credit here quickly though. My favorite is French vanilla. So. nice yeah 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 no it's uh yeah if you don't like mint chocolate chip because you think it tastes like ice uh uh, toothpaste madison get some different toothpaste i don't know what to tell you it's 
Yeah, you're really bitter about that. No, like my like one of my favorite is mint chocolate. Like I I will acknowledge that. I just think it's overrated. But but um, vanilla vanilla I like because um, I I can I can I I really enjoy it by itself. But you can do so many different things with it. You know what I mean? I think uh, I think it's like it's my favorite milkshake is a vanilla milkshake. I think vanilla is the best. Well, it's not. I don't think it is. Vanilla is the best ice cream to use when you're doing, you know, like a like a banana split or something like that. Like a French vanilla is the basis for a good time, I think. And it's my favorite, even though it's I I, I admire your ice cream take. I can't stand vanilla milkshakes. Hmm. Yeah, it's weird. Okay. That but, but that is weird, but that's fine. Yeah. I yeah. I acknowledge that. I don't know. Like I said, French vanilla fantastic. It's my underrated, but I, I can't go to like McDonald's and get a vanilla milkshake. It's got to be chocolate. Oh, see, I don't remember what I used to get at McDonald's. I, like there was a time when I was a kid and I didn't know any better, and I thought McDonald's milkshakes were the greatest thing ever. I used to go with my stepmom quite often, and I don't remember what I used to get as a flavor. It wasn't vanilla though, but mm-hmm. um, no, I, again. Uh, TJ's makes a fine vanilla milkshake, but if it's good quality ice cream, I think I think it's good. Like if it's made with just kind of generic stuff, or you know, McDonald's pumps it with lard, like a, you know, and maybe maybe it's not going to be good, but uh, you get it somewhere where it's you know essentially a homemade ice cream kind of thing. Uh, it's a good milkshake too, I think. It's good to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, my least favorite, mm-hmm. and. Uh... I, I am sorry, my dear departed grandmother. Uh, my least favorite is pralines and cream. Um, I, uh, I grew up um, where, you know, my, my mom's mom, that was, that was her go-to. And it was always, always in the freezer at her house. And, and you know we would we would stay over from time to time, or we'd go there for Sunday dinner, and we'd have dessert, and it'd be like, "Hey, Rams, uh, let's have some ice cream." And she'd be like, "Oh yeah, here's some pralines and cream." And eight year old me was like, "Fuck that shit! Um, it's not good. It's it like I, I don't blame my grandmother for liking it or having it, but it's just like that's not that's not what a child wants. You don't want like." bland nuts and vanilla ice cream in uh, you know a, a bowl with a spoon that's it's not good it's not fun there's nothing to get excited about praline i don't even know what a praline is like i, I realize it's a nut but like it's not one of the good nuts so it's not in trail mix it's not in trail mix so it can't be a good nut right mm-hmm. okay um I I would say uh, my least favorite, although I don't know. Like I I like sweets that have a fruit base, uh, but like a, a berry based ice cream, I would say like I don't, oh. I don't. Hmm. What's in that? What's in the Neapolitan? Is that strawberry? Yeah. So I don't mind that, but I like I've had blueberry ice cream. And I find like blueberry artificial things 
are horrible. Like I think that's the worst like artificial flavored fruit is is a blueberry. Some people say banana. I think it's blueberry. Um but even like even raspberry, like I'm a big raspberry guy. I don't like raspberry ice cream. I don't think it's all that good. Whichever one's not in Neapolitan, I don't I don't like. I I, I think it's strawberry that's in Neapolitan. Yeah. I don't it, like it. Is it. Strawberry. Yeah. But I don't like raspberry all that much. But I'll say I don't I'll say blueberry, but it's not all that common either. I don't think I've ever had a raspberry ice cream before. Uh, I've I've had it a couple times. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know what? Like, ah, man, least favorite ice cream is like a hard one to pick. Cause if it's, if ice cream's touchy, man, for me, like I, I find it's one of those things where it just, it can be so fucking sweet or so uh, just, you can taste the sugar or the artificial flavoring. Like I've had horrible peanut butter ice cream, but when peanut butter is on, it's unbelievable. Like it's one of the best ones. But when it's off, it's terrible. It is the worst. It's awful. You know? Oh yeah. I, I almost went like Reese's peanut butter blizzard mm. for my favorite, but that felt too specific. So I right. dialed it back. Yeah. How do you a feel about a good twin cone? A what, sorry? Twin cone. Which one's a twin cone? So it's it's chocolate and vanilla like kind of swirled together. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, that yeah, fucks for sure. Yeah, yeah. no, oh, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, no, like I said, I used to at McDonald's ice cream with with my stepmom was a common thing on like Sundays. We would go and get shit from McDonald's and, and stuff like that. And uh, uh, a twin cone fucks for sure. Yeah, I like going for well, ice cream. I, you know what? That like this was an interesting conversation. The reason I wanted yeah. to do it too uh, before you suggested it was that I don't. I also don't eat a lot of ice cream anymore. It's like once a year for me. Like I, I really don't get into ice cream often, but I, I do enjoy cake it. Cake is my go-to. Like, yeah, that's what I want for my birthday cake type of deal. And yeah, I realize oh, I sound like a, a twelve-year-old, but like, no. that's that's just what I like. <laughs> ice, ice cream cake's unbelievable. Anyone who says they don't like ice cream cake's a fucking liar. Like, ice cream cake is one of the best forms of ice cream. For sure. You get the little like Oreo graham on the bottom and shit. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. That Ooh. shit that they pour in the potholes in the street in the, in, the, in, the, in the spring. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Fuck me up. Yeah. That's well, that's the best way to use an Oreo, James. Um, I, I, I have been a, uh, a melting James Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can find me at all, it might be at the bottom of the street in a puddle. But uh, that's that's about it. This this is where I live. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I am Brutes Pataglia. I am not melting, but all the money I made working today, I I gave to this hotel so I could sleep tonight to go to work again. So, am I winning? Not necessarily. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, join us next time when we talk about that team that won the cup. Because again, it'll be over by then. But well, I think we know who. Yeah, I, I, I guess the the proper thing to do too, a little bit of housekeeping for those of you who don't follow on Twitter because that's where the update's going to come. Uh, the likely next episode is probably going to be a bonus episode, not a regular episode. Uh, by the sounds of things, the way that we are going to do this, because it seems to make the most sense the way our schedules are now kind of thrown off here, um, is our next episode is probably going to be our Seattle Kraken draft episode. Now, don't quote us on that because I don't exactly know when we're going to do it yet. 
but uh, that does sound like what we're aiming to do. So keep that in mind. And then, so that will likely be a Saturday or Sunday sort of episode for this coming weekend. And then we are not planning to do a regular episode again until the following weekend. So we will we'll almost go a week without a regular. Well, I mean, I guess we'll go a week and a half without a regular episode is the way that's going to go. So, uh, but it seems to make the most sense. I don't know. We'll see what happens. And I'm sure you will miss us as much as we miss you, but we're the ones on the podcast. So we can't really, you know, put that into a number, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard yeah. to quantify. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Bye everyone. Yeah. See ya. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're going to make friends in no time. Get me out of here! Where did you eat that?